0: They finally let me out of the box. Here I am. Thank you so much for the honour of this whole occasion that's been happening for the last seven or eight weeks now. The the delight of uh, putting those videos together, and uh, and then the double delight of being present with you this weekend. It's been a tremendous occasion so far for me and for my wife Wendy. We're delighted to be here and uh, so many people have helped make this happen and and we talked about some last night because Bonnie's been working closely with me and but many other people as well to make this happen. And as I said last night for those who who weren't there last night, this seems to be a very together community, right? All the people I've met are very together people. It may be you don't always feel that way, but the energy that I feel, right, the consciousness that I feel is a really gathered community and intent upon the spiritual path, not just doing it as a social occasion, So that's fun too, right, but also because we're intent upon waking up to something glorious and wonderful. And I love the the way that all the prayers are phrased in terms of, one of those statements, the foundational statement started with thank you, right? The gratitude comes first. Uh, it's not put, yeah? Is it up there? Yeah. Well, he, he, I saw it earlier. And I love that because sometimes we, we wait until something good happens and then we say thank you, God. But no, I was always taught to give thanks in advance, right? Because that's the power. So, to give thanks is to accelerate the flow of good. And I know good things are happening in this community, and it can continue to happen in this community. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, we've talked about all the rest of the book now, yeah? And now this is the last chapter, uh, The Future of Religion. So that's our, that's our theme for for today. And some of us might say, future of religion. Yeah, forget about it, I'm done with religion. I don't. I don't need a future for religion. Unfortunately, because of human nature, right, the human condition, and our search for security, for comfort, for some kind of meaning, or some kind of transcendence, because those are the the core. Desires that we have as human beings, we want to be comfortable and secure, but we also want to find meaning in life, yeah? And we, often we want some kind of transcendence, so there's something greater than just ordinary life. For all those reasons, there's going to be some kind of religion or spiritual path, right? Because we yearn for that, amen? And so it's going to continue. There is going to be a future of religion, even if it's just baseball. Go (laughs) Astros Sorry, Phillies. Or if it's just sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, which is what religion is to some folks. But there is that yearning for something greater. I often think that addiction in a way is a yearning for transcendence, right? It's just we're ending up in a in a bad and dark space, but the same yearning is inherent in that yearning for something greater, and often the something greater is where? It's, no, it is for us, Unity, but so often the something greater is out there, yeah? We're, we're looking everywhere else but within ourselves, and what makes unity so powerful is we focus exclusively right on the idea that you must find the truth within yourself. Even if you have a view of transcendent God, you have a view of transcendent God. It is in you, the view of the transcendent. So it is still within you. No matter what, it's an inside job, right? We said last time it's an open secret. You don't see it until you see it. This is the difficulty, one of the difficulties of the spiritual path, isn't it? It's there. We know it's there. But we can't find it sometimes. You know, it's a conundrum. The good news is, and affirm it for me, it's always there. It's always with us, you know? Now, what's the danger of us uh, seeking security, comfort, meaning a transcendence? Well, so often somebody promises they can do those things for us, right? And therefore they, they're they going to sell us something, some religion or some path or, or the latest gimmick. Uh, How many workshops have you been to? How many books have you read? There's always that new book, isn't there? The one that's going to finally open it up for you. And then you're disappointed when it doesn't happen. But never mind. There's always a new book. And there's a really good one called Unity and World Religion. That's going to be the one that really opens it up. No book is going to do it for you unless you've discovered it within your own self. And even within unity, you know, we say, well, it's those other folks, those other religions that are in the power and control, but we wouldn't do that in unity, would we? But I heard a number of people last night talking about the arrogance that sometimes we have in unity, you know, because we think we found it. We've got the key, right? we found it within ourselves, and that those people will find it one day, but bless their hearts. They're not quite there yet. It's unity arrogance. And that's the danger of having God in your pocket. You know, we think we understand God. We think we understand the presence within. And so we keep it very carefully in our pockets so we can use it when we need it. But really, no nobody can contain spirit, yeah? There has to be a certain humility here if there's going to be a healthy-minded future for religion. Another thing that i found... That is a a bugaboo for all of us, is complacency. It's not sin, it's not damnation, all those things are overrated. I think the worst one is complacency. We're complacent. We just don't, yeah, I can do it later, yeah? It's the whistling past the graveyard syndrome is what I call it. We know we're going to die, but let's not talk about it yet, for instance so I'm going to whistle past the graveyard. Everything's great, you know. And we put things off. So we Really, there's no time to put things off. It's there. It must be, if it's not now, when is it going to be? And I can wait for the answer to that one for a while. Yes, there's going to be a future for a religion, but is it going to be the same old control that we've seen now for thousands and thousands of years? There are wonderful things in all religions, yes, and we've discovered this, and my whole book is about not finding divisions but finding commonalities, yeah? But the commonality uh, I have found is not in a system or in a dogma, and isn't it great that we don't have a dogma in unity? We have principles but no dogma. Nobody's telling you what to believe, right? Is anybody? Am I got it wrong there? Is somebody in this church telling you the way it has to be? I hope not. Because that's the beauty of it. We come to it uniquely ourselves. That's healthy-minded spirituality. Now, the many stresses facing our our society and our world right now, and I talk about a few of them in in the book. I'll just mention a few, I don't want to get into details on them, but, uh, you know, some of the ones that come to me that's strong in my mind is the inequality in wealth and power in our world, and how to deal with that one, how how we're going to overcome that, because that is keeping both the rich and the poor hampered, right? Uh, There's a complacency for the rich, and the poor feel dispossessed, and so there's antagonism. That's a huge stressor. Next one is is climate change. Is it uh, normal for it to be this warm in Cleveland at this time of year? It is now, yeah, and we, and we get become you know habituated to it, even though we know maybe something's not quite right. We have the same thing in Texas with really strange weather, and I attribute that to the fact that the balance, of the kilter, is off on our planet, right, as a result of numerous things. And much of it, unfortunately, created by human beings. So, this is a huge challenge that we, we have to face in terms of our spiritual life. It's not just about science, folks, is it? It's about our consciousness, our will, our deep desire for what we want for our precious planet, yeah? And that's huge. And it cannot change simply by science. It has to change by a shift in consciousness And this is where we come in, right? It's where we come in always, in in our search uh, for this great understanding of the beauty of what life is all about. Because I truly believe in tipping points and critical masses. yeah? You know what I'm saying? When enough people have a shift in consciousness or paradigm, then everything shifts. And that's why we are so important right now. I don't know how many people are out in here. It doesn't matter exactly how many people. The point is, enough people are gathered to make a huge difference if we so desire it. Jesus Christ was one person. And look what he did to shift the consciousness of this planet. Right? One person. And we still don't quite understand what he was about, do we? They made up a religion about him, by the way, called Christianity. But we haven't come up with a spirituality of Jesus quite yet. Because we're scared to embody some of the stuff that he says. Like, love your enemies. Are you kidding me? It's coming though, isn't it? We're beginning to embody this. It's a radical way of, of living. But you know, Jesus, as I said last night, Jesus always encouraged us to remember the joy that we inherently are, right? It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I love that scripture because it's it's like he's not going to give it to you if you believe that Jesus Christ died for you and you've got to take him as a personal savior. No, it's God's good pleasure to give you, period. And he's not going to give it to you on easy, easy terms over time. No, it's here now. It's all given to you right now. There's not any large interest payments at the end. You know, oh my goodness, it's a balloon. No, it's given freely. It's a good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's a radical statement, isn't it? Luke seventeen, twenty one is a scripture that you will never hear in some churches. Sometimes fit in with the theology of control. It's kingdom of heaven does not come with observation. You can't say, low here, low there. No. The kingdom of heaven is within you and among you. So it's here now, isn't it? It's within us and among us. How does that make you feel? Good, yeah? Wow. And it's not just about me, is it? It's about all of us. Because when I, I look at you, I see me. Because we're all one, yeah? We are connected deeply. And that's where transformation occurs, that's, that's when the critical mass begins to happen, when enough people feel that. You know, I've got to tell you something, every, every person I've talked with so far in this church has looked me directly in the eye, we've had a lovely moment together, and then we've moved on and gone to talk to somebody else. But nobody has just passed me by, or just not bothered to really look. And that's testimony to the energy and consciousness of this community. That people are present to each other, wow! And I appreciate that very much because that's not always the case, folks. So this, like I said, this church is really cooking something. Maybe it's cooking with gas. I don't know. Are you all gas up? Another stress that I found is social media. I mean, yeah, you know the internet. You name it. Uh, it can create wonders for us. For instance, I have a whole encyclopedia in my pocket, right, my, in my cell phone. I, I don't need to go to the library anymore. I can get all the information I need. That's awesome. I can make contact with friends across the globe, et cetera, et cetera. It's wonders. But it also comes at a cost, doesn't it? The cost is the mind control again, right, being manipulated. And so we have to really be discerning in that, otherwise we're going to lose sight of what is our true inheritance. And the other big stressor for me is artificial intelligence, genetic modification, engineering, whatever. Um, You know, we may end up, some of us, we're not living real lives anymore, we're living virtual lives, right? We may have this thing strapped on us, a bit like the Matrix, we're all doing that, we're all in a trance. That's the ultimate of the wrong kind of religion, if you know what I mean. Our kind of religion that we're talking about, that we're lifting up, is not dependent on machines, books, or any other help or crutch. It is simply naturally present at all times within us in naked, like the scripture said, in naked clarity. If you like that scripture, I love that line, the naked clarity of the present moment. It's like nothing needs to... Let's all take our clothes off right now. So... Let's get back to basics, folks. But you know, I'm not inviting you to literally take your clothes off. That might be too radical for today. <laughs> but we are invited to take our metaphorical clothes off, right? To be open and receptive, to be present, to be here without all the hides and, and protections. And know that I'm safe because I am spirit. I, I don't have to hide anymore. I can come out into the open. I can dare to be like the words of that song, right? Dare to welcome all this wonder. Oh, but I ask myself, you know, we're living uh, at a, a time when 2,000 or 3,000 years ago, something amazing happened, and that was all these texts were put down, that so many great masters came into the planet, like Buddha, the Christ, uh, Mohammed, Lao Tzu, and they all left wonderful scriptures and ideas and books. But, you know, you can't live your life for eternity based on books that were written 3,000 years ago, can you? I'm not saying they're not wonderfully inspirational, they are. I love the, the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible, elements of the Bible, I should say that. You know, sometimes I'll open the Bible just for inspiration. You ever do that? You open the spiritual book up at a random page. Put your finger down. Ever done that? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Except I keep opening up to the Old Testament and somebody's smiting this and God is destroying that and then he's a transgressor and he, he, oh my God. Thank God God got better as he got older, didn't he? It comes down, in my mind, to two paradigms. And we mentioned it last night, and it's our spiritual practice to take into the week with us. Those two paradigms are the paradigm that gives supremacy to judgment, and the other one is the paradigm that gives supremacy to love. And it seems to be, for me, that's the thread in all religions. There's always the mystic thread of oneness and love, and then there's this other one that's more dualistic, that wants to control, right? Which ends up in judging. And whenever a religion becomes fundamentalist, whether it's Muslim, Christian, or whatever, then it's usually into judgment. Somebody's right, and therefore somebody is wrong. Whereas the paradigm of the supremacy of love is we're all right, yeah? We're all right. You're all right. Not just Right. But you're fine, just as you are. It's it's a beautiful place. And I choose the supremacy of love, right? But that's the great choice that we have, I think, on our planet right now, is is are we going to emphasize judgment? And as we said last night, you know, um, everything is perfect. We're all one, except in real life. We can keep talking about all the oneness but you really have to test yourself, am I really embodying this in my real life? And I guess I'll talk about that during the bit when I'm doing the spiritual practice. Um, But but what I'm saying is, when you go into your week, get on the highway, have your experience, and then ask yourself, was I responding from judgment or love? When you're dealing with something at work, was I responding from judgment or love? And so often, unfortunately for me, the word is I hate to say it, but I'm a university minister, I'm fully so But unfortunately I get judgment sometimes, right? Yeah, that was a judging moment. What an idiot. Have you ever said that about somebody? What an idiot they are the moment you've noticed that you did that, guess what? You can change. That's the beauty of it. So it's not about screwing up. It's about getting psyched for screwing up when you see it. I did it again. It's great. Because I get a chance to, to change. It's only when we're in uh, sleepwalking through life that we don't see the opportunity to change, right? To so, shift. So I like always to add three words to the end of any sentence because that keeps me on the straight and narrow. What an idiot he is, just like me. What a beautiful person she is, just like me. Brings us back to center, right? And it's the same response, just like me, but it can condemn us or free us depending on our consciousness. Simple as that. And that's the same with judgment. If I'm judging, I say, oh yeah, just like me. There I go again. But then when I remember the truth. Yeah, just like me. I'm free. It's joyous. So, how do we do this? You've been practicing this for a long time, I know. So this is the this is the bit where I set up and listen to you tell me. It went deathly sad. You see, I felt that. Just, <laughs> What? What? How do we do this? What? Look behind me. Oh, there there it is! Alright. There we go. Yeah, I like that. Somebody good must have written that. Oh, that was me. (laughs) (laughs) I won't make you wait too long. good idea. I used to do this in my old congregation. We, we had these back and forth dialogues, you know. And, and initially it was like, oh no, we're going there again. But after a while they'd be getting, you know, throwing things at me. So all I want is one, one thing. I'm not going to make you work too hard here. Just one thing. Somebody somebody in this space with us today has, has got some wonderful things to share about how we come back to remembrance of our wonders. Of our not just in our head, but here in our heart be love. How do you do that? Just in general, right? Just be kind. Have an attitude of, of I'm going to be kind in this circumstance, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Have no expectations other than that's another being of love. and see how that unfolds, right? That could be radical. It could be change. Somebody shared with me last night by the way that they work in hospice. Hopefully don't mind me sharing this. They work in hospice and they found that if you can just listen to the person and not try and sugarcoat their problem or or try and say it's all going to be okay. Just saying man that's this is going to be a tough time for you and just listen, just be quiet. And they often share this story. I thought that was beautiful because what we've done there is opened up space, right? in a very beautiful way, rather than trying to fix it, because often we go through life trying to fix things, and make it better, and control it, and we can't control it, and then we get frustrated, it's better simply to be quiet, listen, just open a container of love, or kindness, or or presence, so we can be there, yeah, all right, we're, we're getting there, it's all been this side, so I want one over here, and then we'll move on, yeah, I tend to go to worst-case scenarios easily, and uh, my wife's always saying, it's okay, Paul, it's all right. I'm just a very dramatic person, I guess. I want to end with uh, this quote from uh, Ramana Maharshi, one of my favorite gurus of the 20th century. I think he's the real McCoy Lived in South India. He was silent for many years and just taught by, by presence rather than words, which I love. But when he did talk, Uh, He always had profound wisdom to say, and often he would just sketch things down on a a notepad and keep it very simple. One of the simple quotes that he wrote down is this one. And he says, there is no you, there is only the state of freedom. Be that. Be free like the sky, be still like the hill, accept change like the seasons, and be silent separate being, you're one with everyone else. We flow, we're boundless. And our true nature is complete freedom, joy, and possibility, yeah? And we're not just saying that, we're living it. And when we start to live it and we start to really do it, life becomes an extraordinarily wonderful and joyous experience. Yeah? And that for me is the future of religion. When we all come home to that golden thread I talked about in the book. We remember that perennial philosophy that we're already here, right? That that this is the holy place. Take off your shoes. This is none other than the house of God, right? We are here. Have a naked moment today, will you? Where you just let it go, and you're totally present to someone else and to yourself. And remember that you are a being of love.